1: Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the Leads That Podcast, episode 61. I'm James and I'm joined by Paul. Hello. Andy. Hiya.
1: And Matt. Hello that. You've got a very nice shirt on, James. Thanks. It's uh it's light keeping me cool it's loud and proud I like it it is a bit loud and and proud Matt and Paul in the pajamas
0: (laughs) this is basically
3: what I wear now I asked my wife today if this was a pajama top and she said no it's a regular t-shirt so all's good
0: she's the authority on their pajama tops she's far too kind mate she's full of it that is a pajama top All right, before we go down a fashion cul-de-sac, let's start with the biggest news of the week, James. We had uh, we had Simon Grayson on the pod last week and he said that he would uh, give us something for the prize draw.
2: Yeah, Simon sent a picture of um, his picture of us, of him celebrating in the changing rooms uh, when we uh, got promoted from League One and he's kindly signed it for the pot, which is lovely. The Simon's pot? Simon's pot.
1: I was getting all excited for a update on the Peacocks.
3: Well the peacocks currently are behaving themselves, they move they move a little bit further away, they're not in the tree every night outside my house, so fingers crossed they won't be making an appearance tonight, but you never know.
0: Well spoiler alert, we might be having some ducks on the show later, so uh, look out for them. Anyway, Simon's picture is great. So thank you very much, Simon, for uh, donating that. And obviously, if you want to win it, along with some of the other remarkable prizes that are currently in our prize pot, you need to head to leadsthat.com forward slash donate. And we all know what winners are, don't we? Grinners. Winners are people who have a Ellen Smith signed chord sheet.
1: I mean, I just, I just said a grinner.
0: Okay, fine.
3: But that particular winner will have a, an awful lot of uh, fantastically united memorabilia. So please, um, if you haven't done so, generously leads that dot com slash donate
2: it's quickly becoming our equivalent of the uh gadget show prize where someone has to turn up in a van delivering it all it i think andy should is. do
3: that if he could
0: stay sober enough
1: long enough in
2: fact should we do that andy as long as they're in yorkshire you've got to deliver it
1: i'll drive anywhere for this Leeds united fan base
2: well all right okay so if it's so if they end up being i don't know out of Hebrides,
1: yeah yeah, if I'm claiming mileage, I'm fine. 45 a miles. Sign me up, boys.
0: We should we should add that it's only open to uh, UK and Ireland residents. Might only be open to UK residents. Somebody should just clarify that for me. <laughs>
3: I believe it says UK check, only.
0: Yeah, check terms and conditions
2: on our website for details.
0: <laughs> okay, and well we should if- we should make it clear there won't be a winner in Russia because it's only open to UK residents. Thank you.
3: If you win and you don't want Andy coming to your doorstep, just make a note and we'll we'll post it instead. Yeah, we'll
1: fully understand. That's fine. Anyway, speaking of winners and gridders, guess what? What? Back by popular demand, it's time for a blast at your favorite Leeds that game. Hit the jingle. Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Ellen Road? Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Ellen Road? Right, so this is the the lead that favourite game voted by four listeners. Where did they come from? Where did they go? It's basically where did we sign this player from and where did we eventually bin him off to Now, quick reminder of the rules. they must have been a permanent signing and left on a permanent. Loans do not count, so do not waste your time. Are we ready, boys?
3: Yeah, always. I was born ready.
1: And what are winners? Grinners. Yes, winners are grinners. Right, so as we are in lockdown, I thought we'd start with a midfielder who was, well... Not scared about a brush with the law. Jody Morris. We signed this bloke in two thousand and three for some reason. And he left us the season after. But as the jingle goes, where did he come from? And where did he go? Millwall. Nah. Chelsea. Correct! And where did we bin him off to just twelve months later? Millwall. That was my did nope. he did nope. he ever play for Millwall? more than likely
0: yet again this game proves that you're quite interested about where a player's going to come from but you do not care where they go I am going to guess at Cardiff City match made in heaven no
2: Derby
3: no Nottingham Forest no Coventry nada Charlton Athletic nope Oxford nope is it a southern team southern
1: Yorkshire Sheffield United? Nope. Doncaster? No.
0: Rotherham United?
1: It could be Rotherham or Chelsea. Yeah, Rotherham, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, it's great to be back,
3: isn't it? Matthew won both of those. He's, a, he's grinning. He's grinning.
1: Now, a player with a much more distinguished career at Leeds United and one that we know doesn't age from our Clap for Our Carers video is Chris Fairclough signing in 1989 and leaving in 1995 this bloke won promotion and the league of us what a lad but where did we acquire this man from Bolton no older
0: no this is a good one Andy well done
1: thanks mate
0: I have absolutely no idea, but I'm going to have a stab at Sheffield Wednesday. No. He's pretty much any player around that time who didn't come from Sheffield Wednesday.
3: See, that was clever because you put a bit of actual thought and logic into it rather than just plucking out a random team like uh, I've been doing.
0: Southampton? No. Derby County?
1: No. Arsenal? No, close, no cigar. Spurs? Correct. We signed Chris Fairclough originally alone from Spurs, but then permanently from Spurs. He spent six glorious years with us before moving on. To
0: I think James's first guess of Bolton was uh, was on the right lines.
1: And look at that grinner, Matthew is correct.
0: Yes. Ah, that's
2: annoying. I knew there was some sort of Bolton thing. Why didn't I just guess?
1: Now another defender who won promotion with us is a Scottish man who resembles a Scotch egg, Neil Collins. He achieved oh. promotion on loan at Leeds United, then signed a three-year deal on promotion, but was sold just one year into that deal. But where did he come from, and where did he go? Was it Scotland? No.
0: <laughs> you've picked you've picked some tough ones this week, Andy.
3: Did he go to Sheffield United? we'll find out in part two why well, can't we do it either way around it's where did he come from where did he go
1: not where did he go where did he come from it's a fair
0: point I honestly can't remember where he came from I've got a feeling it was oh, I have absolutely no idea Coventry uh-uh. Swansea uh-uh. Southend
1: oh no
3: Aston Villa nope Paul's googling I'm not, I'm looking at my feet to, to for inspiration. I can't remember where Neil Collins came from. West Brom. No.
0: Norwich. Nope. Ipswich. Nope.
3: Bristol. Nope. Crystal Palace. Oh no. Stop ooh knowing me. Watford. Negative.
0: Preston North End
1: director Mundo, uh, Matthew. Matt is on a three-point winning streak. And I tell you what, Neil Collins would have got Sunburn. Actually, a four-point winning streak for Matthew. And still, Neil Collins would have got Sunburn in this lovely weather. Anyone know where he went after uh, his three-year lucrative deal at Leeds <laughs> United?
0: Sheffield United. United.
1: <laughs> we have three grinners on this podcast. I'm um, not
3: grinning. They robbed me.
1: What a game. Oh dear. Now let's have a striker who also was a one-season wonder once again at Leeds United. Ian Thomas Moore. He spent one season with the Whites between 2007 and 2008 scoring six, I'm guessing, world-class goals. But,
0: where did we sign him from? Rotherham United. Incorrect oh.
3: That was a really Confident one as well So it's going to take Matthew a little bit Of time to re- Regroup Um come back In ten minutes <laughs> Tranmere.
1: Oh close But no cigar
0: Luton Nope Oldham Athletic No Port Vale Nope
3: Ian Moore
1: in Thomas moore please. Sunderland. No. Was it a crap Northwest Club? I mean I'd say so, yes. <laughs> Blackpool. Close no dice. Blackburn. Close no dice. Preston. Close no dice. Burnley. Correct Matthew ah. is on flames tonight. People cannot believe these scenes. So where do we bid him off to? Tranmere Rovers. Time? Incorrect.
3: Oh. Ah, ah, go on. Then, where is it, Paul? No, I don't know. I thought it was Tramier. <laughs> he did. I'm sure he played for Tramier. He did. did. He that's scored his, for them his, that
0: on uh, when we were away at Charlton when we could have gone up.
3: Ah, yeah. Was his dad managing them as well? Yeah, that's why I was at
1: Burnley too. He was a bit like Steve Bruce, and this Texas lad who he once. Which is him. also
3: why I guessed Rotherham. Would anyone like a clue? Clues are for losers. But I'll have
1: one. Our friend from episode one, Beaves Bets, Beeves Bets, has family who come from this part of the world. Hartley Paul. Correct! <laughs> anyone anyone doesn't know who Beeves is, just check back episode one. Geezer cannot bet for Toffee. Right, we're on to the final one. Let's finish with an underrated goalkeeper Higgy Pop himself, Shane Higgs. On his day he was unreal in League One. But where did we sign him from? And where did he go? Arsenal. You think Shadig's played for Arsenal? Yeah. Or do you think I've had a drink? Plymouth.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Southend. No. We did sign a goalkeeper from Arsenal. Which one am I thinking of? Graham Stack. Luke. John Lukic. No, you are wrong, Andrew. Gustache is what I was thinking of. (laughs) I'm not wrong, am I? Well, you're not thinking of what I'm thinking of.
1: Shane Hicks. (laughs) Correct! Oh, wait. That's the guy's name.
3: Burnley.
0: Nope. I think it was a really crap No Mark club. Potentially. Cheltenham Town.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> Correct, Matthew. <laughs> wow. So Matt, for the absolute crown of winners our grinners tonight, where do we bin him off to? Cheltenham. No, sadly not, James.
0: Was that was that um South End?
1: No. Northampton. Name? Correct, Paul, Northampton. I was gonna say the town. <laughs> was on the compass and Paul got it correct because he knows his geography and that sums us up for one more round of where do they come from where Did they go who's grinning?
0: I am me yeah
1: yeah jingle Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Ellen Road? Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they
0: go from Ellen Road?
1: The football world's been on hold, as we've all found out. You've probably heard us talking about our game behind closed doors, but that's looking like a real possibility now. How do
3: you boys feel about that? Paul? I'm more and more excited about it, actually. It was a prospect, we've, we've discussed this at the start, that seemed like not a very uh, favourable option, but actually now, even having watched a, a little bit of the German football at the weekend, just thinking about football coming back is exciting in itself.
2: If, if it can be done safely and reassuringly safely to to people that are worried about you know because there's obviously quite a few players that have come forward and said that they're concerned then definitely want it to happen 100% I miss it now and uh, I'm ready to watch Leeds United play
0: and storm the league Oh like it Matt Well funnily enough I mentioned this in there in our forthcoming interview but behind closed doors isn't something that I could ever imagine like two or three months ago but now it's uh it's all I'm looking forward to really. I just can't wait to get there. I can't wait for the players to get the white shirt back on and get out on the pitch at Ellen Road. And if we have to watch it through glass, then so be it. You
2: were saying uh off mic actually, Matt, your preference for uh
0: spectating the football, what would that be? Yeah, it's a good point. I'm thinking about uh if it if it does go ahead behind closed doors, I'm thinking about listening to it on the radio rather than watching uh watching the streams. Now there's a man with a pair of testicles. I think it'll be less distracting, the fact that there's no fans there if you're listening to it on the radio. I think it'll feel more like it's a real game that's going on. And I've never really watched football on TV. I kind of watch, I listened to it on the radio to the point where I could go to games and then I started going to games. So it'll be like going back in time to how I first started uh, following leads, listening to them on the radio. And also, there's the added benefit that on FM, you'll probably hear the goal go in about a minute two minutes before it happens on a stream
1: Well having said all that James, Matt and Paul were uh, fortunate enough to speak to Graham Hyde from the United Sports Trust and he gave us an insight as to what's going on with tickets what's going on with the club and how football looks from now on
4: The club are desperate to play the games. Um, the players are all absolutely desperate to play the games. Um, and it's just a case of trying to find a way that that can be done safely. The, the you know the challenges that they're looking at. Um, apologies if you can hear my ducks, by the way. You have ducks. In the background. If you've got ducks in the background.
0: Um, well, the- Paul's got a peacock, so they'll be in good company. Sure. It's like a menagerie. Wow. <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're probably a little bit quieter than a peacock in full cry. So. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think that's it. I think the, you know, the, the, the club and the players all want to play. The challenge is, is about doing it safely. Um, I know that, you know, in terms of, of playing them, it looks like absolutely no chance of there being anybody there in terms of crowds. Um, the behind closed doors thing, the, one of the challenges they have is as a club um they tend to get a little bit targeted by their reputation and so you get a situation where the police advisory uh, committee to the efl um have already sort of flagged leads as being high risk in terms of people turning up for behind closed doors games right. uh, so the challenge will be that Ultimately, you could have a situation where, let's say, we play our first home game, the equivalent of the Fulham game, or, you know, if it is Fulham, then Fulham, um, and suddenly, you know, five, ten thousand 10,000 turn up to Ellen Road. That'll be it. That'll be the last game we play anywhere apart from on, on neutral ground and away. So, you know, it'll be a situation where you could have, you know, let's say we're going into the final few games and it's key that we have every advantage and playing at home is an advantage. Of, whatever we could have been we could be playing the equivalent of like the you know the, the barnsley game or you know the or sort of you know sort of um uh charlton what have you we could be playing that down the road at, uh, at some sort of venue miles away um and yet fulham or what have you could be playing on a home on home turf And it would all be down to the fact that ultimately, um, you know, Leeds fans had not kept to their side of the challenge.
0: So have the Trust got a role to play in that then, Graham?
4: Uh, Yes, alongside kind of other fan networks, I think, across the board. So we're part of, uh, as the Trust, we're part of the Football Supporters Association sort of EFL network so um you know ultimately we're part of part of that and yes we can have conversations with other fans and see what they're doing but certainly what we what we never claim to be at the trust is the voice of everybody with the voice of our members now we could sort of stand up and say don't go to the game and for some people it'll completely fall on deaf ears they won't be bothered it makes no difference so yes we can be part of a movement to say to people look there's a lot at stake here, and if you want to do the right thing, and you want leads to have the best chance of getting promoted, if you want leads to not have to suddenly play games behind um, closed doors with, you know, but away from home all the time, then show a bit of respect. Um, I mean, we in the conversations we had with with Angus on Friday, our view was very much that um, it should be player-led. Um, You know, let's say you pick um, a player like Cal. So let's say Calvin Phillips sort of, you know, comes and puts a message out very similar to kind of Stuart Dallas's early message during the COVID challenge. I think that's got power. Let's be fair. If you can drag Batty out of Filey and make him make a comment, people will properly listen. But the chances of that happen are pretty slim, unless you offer him a Ducati or something. (laughs) and then, basically, you've got to sort of then look and say, well, actually, we've already tragically lost Norman to this condition. Um without wanting to get onto the whole kind of, you know, disrespect of, uh, you know, saying, let's just do it for Norman. It's a hell of a reason, really, to, you know, because Norman, you know, would have been one of our biggest cheerleaders and, you know, jumping around like crazy at the moment that that it happened, much as any fan in the new Norman Hunter stand or in the Cop or anywhere else, you know, it's, I think it's, um it's a big thing that way. So I think there'll be, there'll be apart from all fans groups to sort of work with the club to try and just get people to understand what's at stake.
0: Could we not just put on Fulham shirts and head down to Craven Cottage instead?
4: You know, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That, that, you know, could, could we arguably, or would teams arguably disrupt in that way? I think, I think the thing is that they recognize that there will be some fans who turn up, um, But if you can imagine the policing requirement for 35,000 to 5,000 is a massive difference. And if you get it down to that, there's only three or 400 million around, the police will cope with that. You know, they've got divisional headquarters down the road on Ellen Road. They could, you know, quite happily sort of, you know, send a few out and make sure it was dealt with without it having an impact. Um, And to be fair, you know, if you think about it, Reading could send their entire contingent and our police would be fine. You know, it'd be, it'd be all right.
0: And what about um, broadcasting? Are you aware of any conversations around making sure that fans can still see it? Because surely that would deter fans from turning up at stadiums in the first place.
4: Yeah, and then that, that comes on a little bit in terms of the, the refund stuff. So w- w- discussions we had on Friday with Angus, and I know the club have obviously um, set out today what they're going to do in terms of three phases of refunds. Um, now, in terms of phase sort of one, which is in effect giving the away ticket money back and also giving back sort of the the Bayern Munich money and things like that. That's phase one. Phase two is then looking at um, giving back um, the money spent on, shall we say, uh, casual purchase tickets, individuals who bought tickets for up and coming home games, um, just ad hoc but not season ticket. And they're going to be refunded in the same way. Now, the third piece is the the return for those who've in effect paid for season tickets, but aren't going to get you know five more home games so as a basic thing even if you've got one of the cheaper season tickets you're talking about 19 quid a game so you know best part of 100 quid um, that that was due to fans now the club has sort of said right what 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 do we do about this and that whole process around broadcasting comes in and said right well we, we can look and say first of all you know we can look at providing new streams but not everybody will want streams other people might already have sky and let's be honest sky are going to pick up as many of our final games as they possibly can because they know that they're going to get the, the you know the, the, the broadcast marketplace um so they'll want that but what the club have said is they're looking really at sort of three options the first one is that they're going to basically say look anybody who wants a refund absolutely can have a refund refund on a per match price ticket for those things so they can have their cash back okay nobody's going to be out of pocket in that way they need to work out how to do it and how to basically just sort of price up everybody's sort of you know tickets fairly and make sure that that's happening um so that's on their agenda as phase three now the other part of that is to turn around and say well actually." They've been blown away by so many people saying the club can keep it. You know, we've, we've been given so much great value already this season. You know, I'm not bothered for the money. The club needs it to pay wages. That's fine. OK. Um, and they're blown away by that. And actually that offer, that option would be available, but only insofar as that the money would be donated to the uh, academy and foundation. So it's not going straight into Andrea's pocket or anything like that or paying for the, the, a nice bottle of Cristal on his private jet next time he's, he's winging it across from Italy or what have you. So it would go back into the club, which I think, you know, once again, the club were blown away by that, by the fact that fans, you know, had sort of taken to social saying, you know, we'll happily give up our money. We've had enough value. They, they just thought that was phenomenal. And the third option is is an option that kind of, I think a lot of fans will probably go for. Um, when we surveyed our members, lots were saying, you know, they'd like a voucher for the club shop for a new shirt next season, particularly as there's a, you know, a very prominent brand producing the shirt next season. Um, and by all accounts, it's absolutely stunning. Um, very, very simplistic and in line with a lot of what you would expect from that high quality brand. That's all I can say. Um, so and the German. Um, so basically, um, you know, in that line. um, the options that the club are looking at doing at that is actually putting together a package that would outweigh the actual cost or value of the money back um, and giving that and that includes things like match streams so on the match streams front let's say there's five home games um five match streams um at basically ten pound a piece is what they would have going for before. So they would be calculating that as, say, sort of 50 quid's worth of value. Now, there's other things that they're going to throw in there. So, for example, the end of season um, Player of the Year awards. Um, normally, it's quite a big, lavish do. I don't know if you've been before. Lots of people go. Um, but they're talking about that being an online affair this year. And therefore, as part of that package, you would have access stream to that. Um, over and above that, they're then talking about your club shop vouchers to, you know, tune of sort of, I don't know, 40, 50 quid, depending on what's left in the pot um, uh, of that. But probably then over and above that, they're looking at other little things that they can do that will add genuine value or be quite novel and that people would like to take up. So, for example, I'm not sure if you saw what Borussia Mönchengladbach did for their Behind Closed Doors. So the idea buy a cardboard cutout of yourself or Pol Pot, depending on who you <laughs> did, um, you know, and um, basically for 19 euros or what have you, you could you could have the individual of your choice uh, sat in your seat. Um, now, the club are talking about doing something potentially along those lines as part of that package as well. So lots of little things. But th- what they're talking about is that the overall package would way outweigh what you were looking at if you were just taking the cash refund. Now, obviously it works for the club because they keep the cash pretty much on board and you know there's there's generally a sort of you know kind of Uh, value for them as well but I think it will be the sort of thing where for those people who are looking for a halfway house of I maybe don't necessarily need the money but I do definitely want to see the games and I you know I'd like to see sort of the club keep some of that money well that's probably a a halfway point and I think the club have been really flexible at looking at different ways that they can reward fans for this kind of loyalty because you know, let's let's be honest. Um, we've in effect given them a nine million pound Bridget loan in terms of you know, kind of ticket money next year's season tickets, and we don't even know when you know there's going to be any value in those either. So, you know, that's pretty much where we are on that.
0: You've teased us with an awful lot there, Graham. I don't, I'm not even sure where to start with the questions. But, so, I'm going to ask you a really selfish question: mm. Have you heard anything about away season tickets?
4: So in terms of away season tickets, you're going to be looking probably at a similar kind of process. Okay. All right. Now, into what in terms of away season tickets, this year or next?
0: This year in particular, but if you've got any info on next year, always interested.
4: All right. So in, in terms of this year, you're probably looking at a very similar process. The challenge they've got is once again that the difference, if you take, say, for example, the, the standard away ticket, take Blackburn. So, you know, seven and a half thousand of us have got tickets for Blackburn. All right. Now, 40 quid a ticket, that's what, 308 grand, a thousand pounds, sorry, 308 thousand pound, you know, kind of sat there. Now, the interesting thing is, and I didn't realize this until recently, the club hangs on to that. That's the club's money until the day they play the game. Mm. so if you think about it actually in this current climate that's been once again a nice little bridging loan that you know Blackburn were probably looking forward to the revenue but ultimately they ain't getting it and we've had it as just cash sat there to help the club for a period of time which is helpful but all of that will be returned and I think that's you know whilst it's difficult with the away season ticket to say right you know this is the value per ticket, they will work that out. And I imagine they'll do much the same as they do with the home season tickets because they don't need to pay the other club, even though that money would have been held, you know, kind of in situ, in escrow, if you like, waiting for... Handing over to the clubs, so I think that's that's probably the thing this year, this uh, for this season, is re- refunds will probably be offered, um, but I can't say for for definite. Um, but their the, the thinking on the club is exactly the same. But I imagine they will look at that and say that pot has been placed into escrow because we would have have to get had to give it to the other clubs anyway um, next season. So away season tickets. Um, this was something that the supporters advisory board, uh, which incorporates a load of different sort of fans groups and uh, a few sort of random uh, individuals as well. um, Met sort of, gosh, um, the last one was in March. And on the agenda last time was the fact that away season tickets were up for review. Um, And the reason behind the thinking was what they didn't want is a situation where away season tickets became an entirely closed shop and people bought them to just then hold on to and sell certain tickets, so you know the, the you know the, the, they they'd buy their their away season ticket knowing that full well they could probably sell an away ticket to Man United where there's going to be massive demand, no availability for like you know two hundred quid. You know, so they're concerned because they've seen that happen across or anecdotally across a number of clubs in the in the premiership, and they don't want to do that, so their view that they were looking at, and nothing has been confirmed, it was still very much up for debate and discussion, but the view was that they were going to look at whether um those who currently have away season tickets maintain first line priority for away tickets but they don't have an away season ticket. So let's say you were coming up to kind of, uh, you know, one of the, one of the tight ones. So let's say Bournemouth away, if Bournemouth are still in the premiership and we're in the premiership next year. I'm talking like we are, but (laughs) we've got to be confident. I
0: I did notice Uh, that.
4: Yeah. um, You know, if it's that, you know, let's be fair, even going down to the new Brentford stadium, you know, kind of uh, next year, if that's the case, because they won't be going up if we don't. Um, So, in that sense, you've got limited, limited capability. What would normally happen? It'd be, it'd be absolutely down to loyalty. But if you imagine that away season tickets would get first stab even before loyalty. And the plan would be to look at pretty much saying um, away season tickets get first refusal without actually having a an absolute ticket anyway. So if they don't take up their ticket, they don't get a chance to say, right, well, actually, you know, I'm just going to hand my card to somebody else or I'm just going to give my ticket to somebody else. They have to to go through the application process every time. It would then go to your loyalty people and then it would go basically season ticket, membership, usual sort of channels. Um, The club really want to make sure that arguably 75% goes on loyalty, 25% on then kind of the next phases, season tickets and and beyond. Mm you know, so that there is a reward for loyalty, but they're also mindful that it it, it very quickly becomes a closed shop and they have challenges with people buying tickets and then actually not using them, but just buying them to keep the loyalty. Um, and that then causes challenges when if there's any disturbances at any clubs, you know, somebody might get pulled and based on the ticket that, that, you know, that was in their name and actually they might not have been at the game. They might've sold it on, you know, so Yeah. So Interesting. That's, that next season, but you know, nothing decided. That was just where we were in terms of discussions.
0: And we might not be going to away games next season anyway. We might not be going to any games if it carries on the way it's going.
4: It's it's a scary thought, isn't it? Um, I think that the, the challenge is that ultimately, if we're talking about the new norm, and we're talking about the idea that football is going to have to start again because this isn't going away. It's not suddenly going to, you know, as perhaps Trump said, we're not suddenly get, all going to get an injection of, of hydrochloroquine or, you know, bleach or whatever um, and suddenly get, you know, cured. Um, we're going to have to find a new way of working and therefore that, that will involve looking at ways that football can run without, you know, either fans in the short term or fans with some kind of more effective mechanisms for proving that people are either safe or you know they've had it or what have you i mean you know whether whether we, we're at a situation where we're on kind of temperature mm-hmm. testing whether there's you know kind of um some way of basically having antibody tests that mean that you know whether you're clear or not you know but ultimately there's not a single football club in the country that won't be desperate to get fans back in the ground and get not only the the revenue in the small in the in the smaller clubs back into the clubs, but also, you know, if you think about the product that is the Premier League, it, it's entirely based on the fact that there are fans inside that stadium making noise.
0: Are you a season ticket holder, Graham?
4: Yeah, I'm in the cop uh, N11 and um, so uh, yeah just kind of um, i'm i kind of i'm I'm sort of in my 40s and i've having had a, a sort of break in the Chileno years um for a, a number of reasons but primarily because that crook wasn't getting any of my cash um that basically having gone back, I I went back into sort of N11. And and it's great because I'm surrounded by loads of young lads who go home and away. um, And um, it it, it is a bit like kind of going back to sort of, you know, kind of the the early 90s when I was that sort of age myself and doing that. And, you know, it's great uh, uh, great to sort of, you know, get myself chucked four rows down when we score late on.
0: And how are you feeling about the prospect of us going behind closed doors? Because I know for me, when it was first brought up in February, March time, it was anathema, really. It was the last thing that I wanted. But now I'm at the stage where I'm so desperate, it's pretty much the only thing that I want to happen.
4: Well, look, you know, at the moment, if you could choose to go and eat in a restaurant, you would go and choose to eat in whatever restaurant. Given the fact that basically there aren't many choices, there were people queuing in Sutton for a McDonald's like about a mile down the road today. And I think that kind of, you know, it says everything. When you've when when you when you've had choice taken away from you, um, ultimately you'll accept anything. And I think that's the way we are with football now. We just want the football to get on, um, start again. Um, you know, having watched the the German... A couple of the German fixtures at the weekend um, it was just so strange um, you know I've, I've seen more kind of i don't know mm-hmm. I, I just felt that he lacked that sort of deep passion that comes with fans and certainly when you think about German football, the fans are absolutely at the heart of it and it felt a bit like watching an under 23 game. You know, or or, or you know the old classic reserves. Um, you know, if you ever went to Ellen Road to see the reserves play years ago, I mean, I once saw Gaza play for Everton in the Everton reserves at Ellen Road, and it was it was like you know sort of twelve men and, and a dog uh, watching watching the game, and it was just a really strange atmosphere.
3: They said in the German games that there was a trend that that there were, the ball was in play for more time than it normally would be. That. That should surely only set to to be an advantage to us. If uh, or do you think teams will still work out a way to uh, run the clock down?
4: It's an interesting one, Paul, because it's something I've sort of I've raised a number of times. I think you know I think the average the average length of time that the ball's in active play against Leeds United is about fifteen minutes lower than most other teams in the division, and it's because obviously teams set out with a plan of look we know that if we have to play 60 minutes of actual football against Leeds, we'll be in bits by the last 10 minutes and they'll be running rings round us. So let's just slow everything down. Let's kill the game. And, and if we only have to play 40 minutes of active football, we might just survive. Um, so we've seen that every single time that, you know, a club's come to Ellen Road, that, you know, that that's been the case. They've tried to wind down the clock. So anything that brings that in, brilliant. Um, but um, I'm not sure... That, you know, I mean, if you think about it, we know that we've started seasons under Bielsa incredibly quick, incredibly fit, a yard faster, a yard sharper, and a yard more, you know, in tune with each other than any other team that we've played. So I think that's what we're going to face again. So I think, you know, kind of it could well be that teams that come up against us. Five minutes in at the game, and a bit like me when I'm playing five a side and they're blowing after two minutes flat. That they'll be like going, "That's it. No, we just need to go back to you know, kick it out, keep it out. Let's try and slow everything down. Let's we'll take 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 thirty seconds over a goal to kick. Take thirty seconds over a throw in. Um, you know, and just really try and wind down that clock so that we're, we've got less time where we're vulnerable.
3: You said that the players are, are well up for finishing it. Do you think they have the sense of that as well that that they are? keeping themselves super fit and they're they're just raring to go.
4: Do you know what? I think think the days of Paddy Kenny coming back from uh, sort of, uh, you know, some summer breaks, you know, sort of twice the size of Halifax is probably gone. Um, You know, and I think, you know, even during this period, the players will have been reporting in their way. They know how strict they are. They know the consequences that ultimately if you basically turn up, you know, overweight, um, you know, Marcelo will 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 sideline you and who doesn't want to be part of these last nine games and be part of the history of Leeds United, you know, when we can hopefully get it over the line. Um, it, it's worth sort of pointing out as well, I think, that, you know, because of the way they've done it, um, the PFA insists that players have X number of uh, weeks uh, of, of actual annual leave each year. So the players during sort of Um, you know kind of early May in effect um, have been on annual leave and I think that's probably more of a problem for the other clubs than it will have been for ours because I think our players will have been basically maintaining keeping it going you know uh, even though they've technically been on annual leave because they know they want to be at absolute peak when they come back because if not somebody else will be and they'll take their place.
3: How impressed are you with how the club have come across during this time? We've seen all kinds of stuff in the press from other clubs in terms of their players, their owners. Um, how do you feel we've conducted ourselves?
4: It's it's strange, isn't it, that you know you're talking about the club handling themselves in the right way. Um, you know, I mean, can can you imagine our reaction? Kind of had it been Mitchellino or Bates or you know what have you? Um, it just been a completely different world. You know, the the club have reacted with. With genuine integrity, with grace, um, and and they've been fairly clear that since the beginning, we want to play this. We don't want an asterisk. We don't want anything that that clouds whether we were the the champions or promoted. We want to play the games, get it done, get it done safely. Um, and I think that's it. When you you know you, you contrast with bless him, Stuart Weber at Norwich, you know now concerned that next year his budget is going to be considerably. You know, kind of less as a director of football, anything you can do to try and kind of suggest that perhaps, yeah, there's there's a loophole, that there's a way out of this, um, that it's not fair. Can you imagine last year if Norwich, if this would have been the same situation, Norwich would have been going, no, it's all right. Yeah, you can stay in the premiership. It's, uh, clearly, we've not finished the season, so that's not fair. Now it's So the, the, the amount of self-interest being pushed by every other club from Karen Brady in the first instance, right the way through to kind of Glenn Murray in you know, in recent comments, um, it, it's just people sort of clearly displaying the fact um, that, you know, they just want to save their own skin. Hull was the latest today, weren't they? You know, sort of saying uh, that they, they basically want to look at voiding the season.
3: And do you think that the authorities are going to be able to see through all that? They ignore all the bluster and noise in the, um, in the press and just crack on with what, what they see?
4: Um, all, 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 all I think is that, thank goodness, um, Sean Harvey's not in charge at the EFL anymore. Um, I think Rick Parry ultimately is he, willing to make the decisions that he sees are right for the actual brand. He's not going to be bullied by particular teams uh, that have vested interests. Um, and he's trying to he, he's trying to find a way that he's right, but also protect the EFL from any possibility of the premiership just turning around and saying, well, do you know what? Here, I have 30 million each um, for the top three clubs and don't come up. You know, or any sort of deal that they might strike using their wealth to buy some kind of you know continuity for them rather than the eFL so I think I've got confidence that Rick Parry will basically do the job that is right for the EFL um and I think the only way that that can be right for the EFL is when you've got a situation that people are uh, getting promoted, people are getting relegated, and that promise made sort of in the early 90s um, when the Premier League broke away is maintained and that the FA are in a position to basically maintain the belief that it is a continuous pyramid and not just basically a separate, entirely independent breakaway league. Because the minute we get to that, football football in this country is gone.
0: You, you mentioned a few uh, goals from our past in so far, Graham. <laughs> you talked about Chilino and Bates and Harvey. Is it fair to say that someone in your position at the uh, trust, is, it's easier, maybe nicer to be doing your job at the moment than it, than it would have been in those days?
4: It's a really interesting thing because as, as an independent supporters trust, um, part of our purpose is obviously to to represent independently fans and their needs with the club. Now, when all hell is breaking loose and you've got a really poor owner, there is a really clear purpose for the trust. Now, in quieter times when actually the club is doing pretty much most things right, um, that it's, you know, looking after fans, that sort of almost clear and defined purpose has kind of evaporated, but we still need to be here and therefore there's a need that, yes, actually... Getting dialogue with the club is easy. We don't have slanging matches. It's more constructive partnership discussions. And we hold them to account. So, you know, we are pushing them on things like refunds. When it got to the end of March and we were talking about season ticket renewals and people were starting to say, hang on, this COVID crisis has meant that I'm maybe going to lose my job or I don't know what I'm going to get paid. I now can't afford my season ticket. Well, we were pushing the club for probably about three weeks in March saying, what are you going to do about this? Well, we don't know. Well, we don't know. and We're pushing and pushing and pushing. And ultimately, it was following those discussions that they agreed to pretty much contact anybody who didn't renew, ask them why. And if it was down to financial hardship, what they basically said is, look, don't worry. We're not going to sell your ticket out from under you. We'll review this when it all starts again and we'll find a way. So the trust still has a, a really valid role to play. And whilst the pathway is a little bit easier, probably the chance to be really vocal and make big sort of, you know, things that strike a blow for fans, uh, you know, against an evil ownership, um, that that's not possible. So it has to be a lot more sort of collaborative and partnership working, but really with making sure that they're kept on the straight and narrow. <laughs>
0: But I suppose the fans themselves are more united than they are during those periods. I know that there's even with, even at our lowest level, you had people who were still backing Chilino and giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and so anything that the Trust or any other supporters group who came out to criticise him, there was always a group of people who jump on that and say, no, give him a chance. Um, you're just anti-Chilino and you won't listen to anything that he's doing. So uh, it's... It, feels good for me it must feel good for you guys as well that everybody's behind bl so everybody's behind the club and we're in a far better place than we were even two years ago
4: oh it's it's hugely better i mean don't get me wrong i think that there's you know there's still an element that you know kind of um the our fan base is is wonderfully diverse And do you know what? I think there's probably a load of Leeds fans that, you know, kind of um, I might have a million and one different things that I just could not talk to them about, about in life, you know, that we would clash on so many things, be it politics, religion, music, all sorts. But Leeds United is our one combining thing. And I think at the moment when you take out things that are deeply divisive, like the behaviour of Bates towards fans, uh, you know, the the way that Cellino set about kind of targeting certain fans and certain and bringing certain fans close in to use them as weapons. All of that kind of has gone. And now, even though there are some people who still kind of believe that, you know, Rosani has tried to do this on the cheap or, you know, what have you. Um, the fact is, I think we are the most united we've been for a while. Um, but I think, to be fair, you know, you can guarantee that, you know, for every group of fans that's united, it would be very easy to find a schism again.
0: What are you trying to achieve? What are the things that you really want to, to get done over the next sort of 12 months or so?
4: So we're, we're literally in the process. We're meeting on Saturday um, to sort of finalise our objectives for the year. Things have been kind of a little bit kind of railroaded in recent sort of weeks months but we're finalizing that so we always try to work on a a range of different pillars that are our sort of functional pieces so it's fan engagement club engagement legacy and heritage pieces um what we call future trust and community so that's things like we've we've now got a future trust which is the next generation of leeds fans and leeds trust members that will be the next people who are you know sort of badgering the ownership to make sure they're doing it in the right way for fans. And then we have also just like the general sort of growth within our membership that we try to achieve. So we've got a range of uh, objectives that fit across all of those, Um, you know, and and it'll be, you know, without sort of giving anything away, there'll be things like big pushes on safe standing. Cause I think we're getting closer and closer to sort of safe standing being allowed from a safety uh, permit point of view. Um, So I think we'll be pushing that and we, we we have been for years and we will still, um, we've got, the um, desire to continue to support sort of the charities that we do. So we've done a lot of work with Leeds food banks, but we've also uh, this year been working and supporting Andy's man club. Um, So we'll continue with that Um, as our charity. We've got projects around, um, you know, kind of some legacy and heritage pieces. So there's a lot of talk that, you know, should we, should we go up, Okay, being positive, we will. But I think that's going to trigger a sort of an opportunity quite unique. to really sort of re-engage the city and try and sort of work with the council and the club and fans across the city to maybe do a series of kind of uh, memorial art pieces, um, you know, to mark the occasion. Um, I mean, there's been some, you know, great bits done by sort of, you know, Andy McVeigh, um, Burley Banksy. um, But if you look at things like um, at the end of... uh, sort of the, the, the Gable End um, up near the old United Bar, that, that, that beautiful almost um, Belfast-style war mural. Um, I think it would be brilliant to see sort of a series of those across the city commemorating and almost make landmarks that people can go and visit, um, you know, as part of that process. So I think we'd probably be pushing for something along those lines. But, you know, there's lots and lots of things that we do, um, you know, uh, alongside, yeah, reciprocal pricing. Hopefully it won't be necessary because we'll be in the Premiership and we'll be on 30 quid for away tickets anyway. Um, But, you know, if for some reason we find ourselves in the Championship next year, we'll be pushing hard um, to have reciprocal pricing uh, brought in across uh, as many clubs as possible. Because at the moment, uh, Leeds fans are paying on average 29 quid a ticket twenty twenty nine and a half quid a ticket for an away game across the season. Um, You compare that with Reading, who pay twenty four quid on average. You know, so we are the highest paying and we pay sort of, you know, more across the board every year. Um, So it'd be good to get some reciprocal deals in there because I think that would help our fans when they're travelling away. And we travel in numbers. So there's a lot of people that that matters to.
0: And are there any things that us fans or fans listening to this could do to help you with reaching those objectives?
4: Um, you can always become a member of the trust. That's always the uh, the, the first thing. Um, £10 buys you membership for the year. Um, if you have uh, sort of uh, children, uh, they can join the Future Trust uh, for a, a pound, um, which gets them involved in that way. Um, by joining the trust, you enable not only there to be a pot of money to support the activities that we do and the processes that we do. But it really allows you to have that voice within the trust. Um, The board of the trust operates solely to action, um, really what the members want. So whenever we do anything quite sizable, we, we go out to the members, ask their opinion. And when we then go speak with Angus and what have you, we are voicing, um, you know, kind of what our membership has said. Um, so to get to get a part of that voice, if you become a member, uh, leadunitedtrust.com uh, forward slash join, uh, you'll be able to sort of join uh, and become a member. And you get so you get a lovely badge and some stickers and uh, the joy of being part of something uh, beautiful.
2: Graham, we've got to ask about the kit, the badge. What's
0: it like?
4: Um, Unchanged, I think is probably the best way to put it. Don't don't expect big changes on the badge.
0: Unchanged from the uh, 99 version or the centenary version.
4: (laughs) Ah, now that, do you know what? I don't actually know. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether it's a gold tonal design. We we all know that um, Andrea's a big fan of gold. Um. You know, um, it's what to do with Milan, isn't it? Uh, well, to be fair, I, I, I think it's you know, probably just a little bit of you know, the fact that he's rich and he likes it. <laughs> um, you know, some of us can't afford it, but um, you know, it's the closest we get to gold. Um, but I think in that sense, yeah, I think, I think the the, the whether it's a tonal badge or if you like a a gold badge in that sense, I think that's the, the closest we'll get to a change, um, in that way. Um, depending on the kit. You know, I think because I've not actually seen it, I've only I'm only going on what uh, on descriptions that I've been given uh, as little teasers uh, in that sense. Um, so I think yeah, I, I'd expect it to be either gold or the the sort of the classic ninety nine.
3: The last concept kit I saw today had Qatar uh, Qatar Airlines on those the sponsor on the front of it.
4: Yeah, well, look, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's it's been an interesting one. I would wonder. Um, and, you know, once again, without any, you know, absolute knowledge, um, you've got to wonder how comfortable s- multi billionaires like the York family would be in not being able to sort of take the club on, having supported it for at least two years now on the sidelines with a share. Um, they have the money, they have the know how in sports management. Um, you'd think if we, the club was going to be sold to anybody, that they may have first refusal. Um, so, you know, whether sort of, you know, Qatar and, uh, uh, you know, Nasser al Khalifi, et cetera, we're, we're, were looking at it, I think, you know, f- first question would always be what are the 49ers going to do?
3: I think it comes down to where do you want your trust meetings in San Francisco or Qatar? <laughs>
4: You know, I'm I'm open I'm open to either, but I I think the uh, the booze laws might be a little bit more helpful in San Francisco. That's true. You know, and I, I, you know, so I think yeah, that might be might be a preference. It might be a little bit easier to get there.
3: Thank you very much for your time, and thank you for joining us.
4: No, you're welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. You do behave themselves. Uh, yeah, they, they, they've they've gone off. Normally, normally, they spend the day. They've got two pigeons that come in the garden, and they just attack them. So it's like you know, all of a sudden, randomly, you'll like hear like the ducks go nuts, and it's primarily because these two pigeons are now sat on a fence, just taunting them. You know, it's like some sort of battle warfare between two pigeons and these two ducks. It's uh, you know, kind of cr- the crazy crazy stuff that happens in Pontifract.
2: it was quite eye-opening the interview with Graham. I thought there was a few things that you just have sort of not considered whilst all this has been going on and you've kind of forgotten about but yeah you can see that the reasons for us being a a high-risk club and and you know I hope fans do stay away for the good of our own promotion push to be honest
3: Do you know I started thinking when uh, when we were talking to Graham was that if if we're in a really nice settled period now what they should do as a trust is offer themselves to like Derby or Sheffield Wednesday or a club that's in a bit of turmoil and say, we've had, we've gone through quite a lot of, you know, shady characters. Absolutely never. Yeah. Why would they want to do that? Professional services.
1: <laughs> no, no. Uh, you're just jealous because he's got more ornithology cracking in his garden than you have. I've heard now from your peacocks and fella's got ducks for days in his place.
2: Do you know what about, about that comment, Paul? Is the fact that like confidence when we're doing well brews into everything, doesn't it? It's like even we've even got the best supporters. Trust we can show them how it's done.
0: <laughs> One thing that I was thinking about is that you know how normally at the end of the season you get teams who are sort of mid-table who are just playing for pride and some of those teams suddenly go on a bit of a run of form because the pressure's off them they're not fighting for relegation they're not fighting for promotion but I think if this does restart like we hope it does it's going to be a completely different dynamic because what incentive have those players had to keep themselves fit at home on their own for the last six weeks if you compare them to the Leeds players or the Fulham players are we going to be basically playing a load of teams who are unfit and don't really care?
3: I don't know. I think a lot of the nine teams that we've still got to play have got something to play for. Um, So hopefully that won't be the case. I think there'll be a lot of professional pride. Uh, We will certainly see what kind of professional pride a lot of these clubs have. But I'm just having absolute faith in the fact that our um, training regime, the diet, the fitness, everything that they put in place since before the government acknowledged uh, the pandemic situation, will just stand us in good stead to be even better than we were when we won those five games in a row at the end of what was the current end of the season.
0: It's it's
1: the whole thing's bonkers because if if you look at it, it, it well it goes back to an old age thing: is should there be Welsh teams in the English football league? And we've got two Welsh teams in the championship who are both in their nations under still strict lockdown what do you reckon happens with them?
3: I think that presents a unique challenge that obviously that's for the governments and the football authorities to find some way of facilitating them to be able to fulfil their fixtures.
0: I don't think it's a difficult thing to overcome I think either the Welsh government gives them an exemption or they have to play their games in
3: England. They're gonna to have to allow them to play at their stadiums, otherwise, it goes back to that thing about fundamentally changing the uh, integrity of the competition, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, but if they can't play at their stadiums, I'm sure they'd rather have the opportunity to play somewhere else than be expelled or not able to.
3: I don't think they'll be expelled. I think what they do then is it just they have to be able to get this to be uh, the the. <laughs> the least likely to be able to have any kind of litigation. So any, anything that's different, they're opening themselves up to and nobody will want to be treated any differently to any other teams. Have either of them got anything to play for? Yeah, I believe Cardiff ran an
0: outside chance at the playoffs. And their their next game is actually uh, their, their cup final as well. Who have they got? Just only the league leaders.
3: I thought it was Leeds Fulham next, wasn't it?
0: maybe no. maybe I'm
3: wrong no it was Cardiff you were all about to get in the car to go to Cardiff and then they uh, pulled the plug
0: it's Card- Cardiff <laughs> away first
3: it's Cardiff away and Fulham who we presumably would have second up have got Brentford away before that as well go on Pontus give Mitch, Mitch a Richard dig make sure
1: he can't walk the game against Leeds
0: I uh, definitely want a cardboard cut out in my seat of what of me of you? Yeah. With your arms folded. You might have missed that one as well, uh, Andy.
1: How would it work? Would you be clapping? Would you have a hot dog at half time? Would you be <laughs> sad? Know. You you would have a Yorkie or a Kit Kat and a Diet Coke,
0: wouldn't you?
3: Maybe. I'm well up for a End of Season Player of the Year awards online, but only if they find some kind of way for Andy still be able to harass Johnny Douglas. And if they don't, bin it. Johnny Douglas does not like me, does he?
0: I think I would actually prefer uh, Player of the Year awards online. Why? I can have the food that I want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, It's not going to be people running around trying to get players autographs like Pokemon. You can uh, drink the alcohol you want uh, at a very low cost. You don't have to get dressed up.
3: Would you not put your suit on? No.
0: I don't think I've got any suits left. I think I've thrown them all out. We've been in lockdown for two months now.
1: He's had that pyjama top on since it all started.
0: <laughs> Look, mine is not a pyjama top. Paul's is a pyjama top.
3: <laughs> mine isn't a pyjama top. What, it's just lounge... because, just because your wife told you it wasn't? <laughs> because Mark's Spencer said it wasn't.
1: Loungewear is still technically bedwear. you lazy get. So anyway, right, player ear awards, virtual... I'll be there. You'll be there. James, will you be there? Uh, yeah, maybe. Do you know what? Do you know what we should do, right? Do a podcast where w- whilst. We should do a live stream of us watching it as it happens and guessing what's going to happen.
3: I'll only do it if you get in an Uber to Matthew's house and go all the way back around here, just for, just for all time's sake.
1: If it's social distancing, then yeah, I'll do it. I'm
0: not paying. As per every week, I've got a United player crudely sellotaped behind my closed door. And all you've got to do is ask me questions which I can give you yes, no answers to in order to guess who is behind closed doors.
4: No one knows what it's like to be the bad man to be the sad man
1: Behind closed doors
0: Who wants to go first?
1: I've got one Did your player play for Leeds United this decade? No
2: Did they play in the 90s? Yes Outfield player? Yes
0: Midfield? Yes Did they play in the Champions League? No (sighs) I'm going to just take a punt Is it David White? No Do you know why it's not David White, Matt? Why? Why? because it's Bruno
3: Ribeiro no oh,
1: balls
2: were they in
3: our title winning squad
0: no did he
3: wear the number four? Oh god don't get me on numbers again um, I'm going with no 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 was he European yes
1: was he from the United Kingdom yes would he have got sunburn in 26 degree heat today
3: depends if he use suntan lotion or not but not as a rule and if the question is was he ginger no that's not what
1: I was asking it was James Wilton hang on I know exactly who it is
2: did you say you did say English didn't you yes Um, I don't know I don't know what else to ask Um,
0: left no right midfielder no did he play under George Graham again not
3: really not really yes okay um and did he continue to play under David O'Leary let me get my timing straight because I know misinformation on here can get you shot
0: (laughs) yes had he also played under Howard Wilkinson prior to George Graham's arrival
3: Yes
0: Oh Hello Matthew Did we sign him from Charlton Athletic? No oh. Oh. We Were you going Lee Bowyer? Yeah but I've just realised that the Champions League question rules him out Did he sign him Wilkinson? Yeah really Most ran- expensive teenager wasn't he at the time? I was, my arm was on the front
1: of the Yorkshire Reading Post for that picture when he signed. But I did not know that Howard signed him. Enjoyed that one, Matthew, thank you. Uh, right, uh, now I'm st- stuck now. So he didn't play in Champions League. He played for Howard, George and David.
3: Yes. Do you want a clue? No. Absolutely not. Do you want a summary of where you've got to so far? No. Okay
1: did he leave before the Champions League type thing yes was he bang average no
3: but that's subjective but no
1: I don't know
2: did they score on their debut
1: oh
3: Jesus
1: oh I know who it is I know who it is I'm ready I am ready and primed
3: I honestly don't know the answer to that question google it
0: Andy, do you just know the answer to who I'm thinking of? No, but I know the answer. I've got the answer ready. It's not your turn. One of us might get it before we get to you. I hope you do. Also, actually, what, I think what? I'm wrong. I don't think Man
1: City and I'm
2: just going to tell you what happens if Paul just decides to call it off. Void, void the game. PPG.
1: PPG. I've got a chance. I've got great form at this game. You play for Man City. No, oh. Oh. I'm in here. I'm in. Did he
0: play central midfield? No.
1: Did he have a signature celebration? Oh cranky. That involved the corner flag and a dance move, and also played kids gladiators instead of John Fashnu. Was think, it Lee Sharp? Was I it Lee Sharp?
3: He was Lee. Come out,
1: <laughs> yellow yeah, boy.
3: He's worked well this
1: one out, Hey.
3: I love that some of those answers were really tricky though because he 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 was Howard Wilkinson's last signing and then over there he sent him on loan after he recovered from an injury so it was a bit of a grey area one again I'm afraid but well done Andy
2: do you want me to do one? go on Andy who's behind my closed door?
1: did he play for Leeds United in from 2010 onwards?
0: erm no Did uh, he play for Leeds United between 2000 and 2010?
3: Yes. Did he play in League One? No. Did he play in the Premier League? Yes. Did he play in the Champions League? Yes. (gasps) Did he play in midfield? Yes. (gasps) Did he play in Central Midfield? No. Does Matthew know who he is? <laughs> I think I've got a really good
1: get. I've got a really good idea of who it is. Did he have a wand of a left peg?
2: Yes. Is he Irish? No.
1: Oh, ball sacks.
0: <laughs> is he English? Yes. Would he be probably more associated with Blackburn Rovers? Correct. Is it Jason Wilcox? It
2: is Jason Wilcox.
3: Yeah. Well played, Matthew.
4: No one knows what it's like to be the bad man to be the sad man
1: Behind closed doors...
0: Okay, so before we go, it's just time for us to refresh our bingo cards for Clap for Carers Bingo. This is our game, if you've not heard for the previous couple of weeks, where we have been looking at the players that the club have used in their Clap for Carers video at 8 o'clock on a Thursday night. Uh, and we've tried to guess who might appear in this week's video. So last week, James and I both scored a point because I had Noel Whelan and James had David Prun. So that makes it 2-2, nil nil to me and James.
1: It's bollocks, this game, because I get really annoyed and it's something that's really good, isn't it? Like, it's something that's going really good and a positive message. I'm getting bloody annoyed at. I'm blaming you.
0: Well, I'm sorry about that, Andy, but for now, it's 2-2-0-0 two, two, to me and James.
1: That's what I mean, it's bollocks. It's a stupid game. Well,
0: that said, who have you got this week?
1: Because I messed up last time and dropped Paul Reaney out, I'm going to back myself, so I'm going to go... Same as last time for four, and then because someone said Eric Backers would have been on, I'm going to put somebody else in. So I'm going Paddy Kiss Richard Naylor, Mel Sterland, John Sheridan, and Casper
0: Ankrigan. Interesting tactics. You would have got Paul Reaney if you hadn't have ditched him. I know, I'm fully aware. So it should be 2 2 1 0. It shouldn't, though, because you, you, your strategy was all wrong. Anyway, Paul, who've you, who are you going for this week?
3: Changing tactics. Uh, trying to claw a point by going down the previous manager's route so, because they usually get someone. It was Christiansen last week, wasn't it? So I've, I'm going for Terry Venables. <laughs> Doug, right. Darko <laughs> Milenich. Peter Reid. Dave Hockaday. And Uwe Rosler
1: in Darko Millen it's still on garden leave surely he can't do any work can he well
3: nah get them slapped down and if any of them Liverpool players come up that I put down previous weeks I'll feel I get a kind of spiritual kind of victory
0: I I almost feel like you should get two points if any of them come up
3: I'm happy for you to back that rule change if we can go to behind closed doors we can double up on my points
0: I'll tell you what I'll give you 10 points if Terry Venables is clapping for carers tomorrow night on Leeds United's uh, social media as Les Dennis would have said if it's up there I'll give you the money myself James I've got a few repeats in mind
2: from last week because I still think there's a high chance I'll be in it David Sommer Robbie Rogers Max Gradle Danny Rose and
0: Jason Wilcox mm.
1: Danny Rose is a great show I
0: think I think uh, I think they're plausible more plausible than Paul's
1: I know it's Danny Rose
2: had been talking about leads in the press um, the other day and it made me question hmm wonder if wonder if he you, would have make
0: can, a you have got to can, imagine if Digital Wilson is just Reading the press and seeing who pops into his mind and then contacting him. (laughs) Yeah.
3: If the question uh, was who manages Wembley FC, the semi professional football club, the answer would be Terry Venables. So, uh, you know, let's see if Digital Wilson's been looking at that this week.
0: Well, 10 points coming your way if
3: by any chance he has. Um, I would love it. I would (laughs) love it if Terry Venables comes up.
1: That's Kevin Keegan. (laughs)
0: I am sticking with my uh, answers from previous weeks so Richard Naylor is still there Victor Orta is still there Chris Moyles is still there and Salim Lamrani is still there and I'm adding into the mix this week Trezor Candle
3: Trevor Candle yeah hopefully this time next week we'll be able to sit and have a good chat about how we've enjoyed seeing them in training training in their small groups with the social distancing, and have a little bit more football talk to be able to go through. I enjoyed seeing Matthias and Stuart have a little run on their own.
0: Yeah, because it felt like it was closer to coming back, that's why. It's that little bit of excitement.
2: Also, they were still looking in really good shape, weren't they? I'm glad they hadn't come back, like
0: just absolute bloaters after a few weeks of just smashing donuts at home as Graham says they haven't come back like Paddy Kenny twice the size of Halifax
3: <laughs> well thanks again to Graham for coming on and having a chat with us about the about the trust and all the things going on with the club at the moment check us out on social media and com. see you next time
4: Podcast Network.